Hi, everyone, and welcome to our weekly Q&A. Coach Chris is with us. Welcome back. Thank you, Daniel. I'm glad to be on, as always. How are you today? I'm good. Not too bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. And for those of you who, know, who don't know, Coach Chris, you're, you're in Florida. How's, uh, how's the weather down there in Florida? It's warming up quite a bit. Um, right. I was just telling my wife, you know, I stepped outside this morning to grab my mail, and it's like, did someone just automatically turn on the heater? It's like... <laughs> Out of nowhere, it's just super hot. I hear, I hear, I hear it uh, in Oregon. It's uh, it's getting hot here too, actually. It feels like we skipped spring. It just went from like winter to summer here. Yeah, you, you've got that dry heat though, no humidity. Yeah, yeah. Here you'll sweat for sure. <laughs> I think you experienced it a bit when you were here in uh, Florida a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, I was, I was. And then for for you know, people who hear this might be like, oh, well, what what was Daniel doing in Florida? Right. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, I've shared this a little bit on Instagram. Uh, we're we're uh, starting to uh, film this docu series, um, which where we follow one client, one student who has insomnia. And I met with him once, and the and the idea is to kind of doc doc um, document this this whole journey of like you know the coaching calls, the the interactions, and then see how how things progress. But yeah, it was in Florida and. Uh, it was actually quite nice. The weather was nice then back a few months ago. I, uh, you know, uh, got a sense of that it could be hot, but it was nice. And uh, right, the hotel where I stayed had this, like, you know, a little pond behind it. And it said, like, you know, please don't feed the alligators, which was, like, so <laughs> exotic to me. I'm like, wow, they have alligators here. That's so cool. Yeah, definitely got to warn the tourists. <laughs> right? <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, what else? Uh, otherwise, how are things going your end, Chris? Are you um, you working with bedtime, and uh, are you also you working on your own website too? And how are things going in general? Yeah, um, things are pretty good. I'm juggling uh, quite a few endeavors: um, sleep coaching. Um, I still have my pest control business here in Florida. Um, it's for sale. If anyone wants to buy it, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it is for sale though. I'm looking to uh, you know dive uh, full time into sleep coaching. Um, working with bedtime app part-time and also sleep coaching on my own. And it, it's going good. I'm really enjoying it. That's nice. So glad to hear. All right. Well, that said, we do have um, one question so far, but anyone who's here on this call, like, you know, as you know, just put in your questions in the comment section and we will get to them and we'll, we will check in with Brandon and actually Brandon, this is funny. Uh, I was thinking of you, Brandon, and I'm going to send you a message on Twitter, uh, uh, on the topic that we discussed and, and I just, you know, I, I don't think there's any secret. Brandon actually reached out to me and said he, he would want to think of helping out in terms of like social media managing and things like that. So, um, so yes, yeah, so with that said, Brandon says, hi coaches, how do I get over the mental slump of waking up after a few hours and not being able to fall back asleep? I fall asleep, no problem, but then wake up three to five hours later and can't get back. It's been this way for nine months, and I don't know what the reason is. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, again, Brandon's falling asleep without any struggle, wakes up three to five hours later, not falling back asleep. Um, what do you think when you hear this, uh, Chris? Um, well, you know, like most things with insomnia, it's, it's pretty normal. Um, you know, from what we hear all the time, what I experienced myself, um, you know, us humans, we, we wake up multiple times, you know, per night, you know, um, I'm not sure what the average number is. I know it's quite a bit, 
you know, with insomnia, however, we tend to notice those awakenings more just because we are kind of predisposed to being in a hyper aroused state. We, um, you know, we've, we've become accustomed to being on high alert, if you will, uh, at night. Um, super frustrating, um, to say the least. I, I understand you, Brandon, completely. Um, and you may be wondering, you know, nine months, I'm, you know, befriending wakefulness to the best of my ability. Why is um, this still happening? Happening, rather. Um, you know, it could be various reasons. I think um, at the end of the day, um, there could be some residual fear there. But, you know, ultimately, you know, how we respond, how we view those awakenings um, will essentially determine, you know, how long it, it, it sticks around or not. You're right pardon, there, Daniel. Pardon me. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm having, <laughs> having these allergies, you know, which sometimes like it just tickles my throat and I have to have to cough. But yeah, no, I have very little to add except, yeah, exactly. Like we normally wake up and when we don't think, when we don't react to the fact that we're woken up, then we, you know, fall back asleep again. And I think it's, it's always the same. It's like whatever, it's for somebody like Brandon, I'm thinking like whatever led you to uh, not have any struggle falling asleep initially is also what's going to lead you to not falling having trouble falling back asleep which is essentially not uh you know not 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 struggling to try to force sleep but just being right. sort of okay with being awake in that moment and I, I don't know if this applies to brandon or not but um sometimes when i hear this like oh three to five hours later i'm like how do you know it's three to five hours later and if anybody's like checking the time and measuring and counting it it can be an invitation to let go of that which can be really helpful yeah totally and and just to kind of segue off of that briefly um yeah you know, it, it's quite common to ask yourself why is this still happening it's been nine months you know there could be some monitoring there still um but um you know I, I i think it's one of those things where once you stop to kind of you stop questioning why it's still happening you kind of you know diffuse that curiosity so to speak um you're you're more willing to stand the chance of actually recovering a bit a bit faster if that makes any sense yeah, it makes makes total sense it's like when we no longer wonder it's you know there's uh, the, the curiosity is often the source of hyper arousal and some right. some struggle yeah it makes so much sense all right let's let's check in with jennifer jennifer says uh hi daniel i'm here watching thanks for the free content anytime so glad you're here i have been following chris as well nice I'm three months into my journey and I feel improvement, although my sleep is still in increments. My question is how to train the mind to stop checking the clock. My brain automatically calculates how many hours of sleep I get. Did this happen to you, Chris? It did. Um, and, you know, I would urge you if you're if you're, you know, checking the time, um, you know, try not to. Um, for me, you know, going timeless was huge. It was a big turning point in my recovery. Um, cause oftentimes I would look at the clock repeatedly throughout the night. Um, question your brain, um, you know, literally talk to it. Like if it's another entity, like how do you know how much time we've been awake? Like, how do you know what time it is? Like, you can't be sure. Like, you know, it, it, it wants to know, but it, it doesn't know for sure. I mean, like literally question your brain and, and its ability to know exactly what time it is, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes so much sense to me. Like it's, it loves numbers and like trying to have control, but as you said, it doesn't really know. It just throws out this, it's like, oh, it's probably this time. I've probably slept this much. But when we don't confirm that, it's, it doesn't right. know. So we don't, we kind of like keep it from getting any, like anything to work with, which can be really helpful. 
And then the other thing that came to my mind was here is, is another common question, which is, um, it could be from, um, a parent who has to kind of like feed their kids and they, they say like, well, I have to know what time it is to feed my kids or somebody who says, well, what I like to do when I'm awake at night is like, actually, I like to, you know, watch some Netflix or be on my phone. And then I, I will see the time. There's no way to, for me to avoid that. How can I meet that situation? And to me, um, what I usually reply there is that we can any anything we can turn anything really into some some sort of like self exploration in a way, and so if if we if we can't not know the time, which is often really helpful, not knowing the time is often really helpful. But if not, that's not practical for us. We can you know turn this into self exploration. How do we do that? Well, it's sort of like before we see what time it is, we can already then think about like okay, let me see how I'm going to react when I know what time it is, when I get to know the time again, and then we see what time again it is. And then we can be like, whoa, I felt like a jolt of adrenaline. I, I, my heart started beating. And then we're like, okay, this just means I, I'm scared of being awake. There's some fear there. Or we can be like, um, we see the time and then our brain goes like, oh, then I have so many hours to sleep. It starts doing all this math. And then we can be like, uh-huh, okay. I'm seeing that my brain is trying to do this math. It's attempting to have control. And then also the aha uh -huh, where we go like, we see the time and we're like, there was no particular reaction. And then we can be like, aha, okay, well, this, this fade, this fear is fading away. So when we, when we, when we uh, become sort of like more observers of ourselves rather than being inside a struggle can really help. Well, what do you think of that, Chris? Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, it's something that I, um, you know, I had to overcome myself. There came a point where, you know, not looking at the time was kind of unsustainable. Um, that little piece of tape was kind of falling off and I just was getting sick and tired of covering the time at night. Seemed a bit ridiculous after six months or so. Um, but yeah, I had to work with that fear. And exactly like you said it, I would have to observe how I would react. And lo and behold, I would check the time and I would feel unsettled. Um, I'd feel nervous. You know, if I only had two hours before the sun came up or before my alarm went off, um, I would feel really uneasy and but that gave me an opportunity to work with that fear and, and and go deep within myself and work with whatever thoughts you know came at that moment um when it came to to knowing the time so yeah that's a key point there for sure daniel yeah well said and let's see um <clears throat> py is here with us and asks this and says the following i have an intense fear that i will never sleep i know this is a thought how can I fade this thought? Like, so how can I make this thought go away? I guess is the question. Um, what do you think, Chris? May hear this. Um, again, another opportunity to to you know go inwards and kind of. I don't want to use the word challenge. Um, allow the thought make space for it, um, and you can do this in many ways. Um, you know, you can actually go there in your mind you can actually imagine not being able to sleep and i know that kind of that might be a lot to ask and it might sound kind of scary but that's that's kind of the point you know putting yourself in that worst case scenario you know i think it's so powerful because if you're willing to go there in your mind then why would your mind keep sending that same thought over and over again if you're a willing participant you understand what i'm saying so i i, I think that's huge um but if that's a bit too much in the beginning then you can actually just kind of go about your days or nights with those thoughts. You can befriend wakefulness, whether it's watching TV, doing a puzzle with those thoughts. And that's just as good 
um, as, you know, the, the other way, which is actually, you know, facing them head on. Yeah, so nicely said. And I think, you know, it's kind of a silly example, but I often say when I have this question of like, how can I not have this thought is like, well, try to not think of a pink elephant. And of course we do. So it's kind of just a silly example, but it shows us that, that when we were trying not to think of something, we, we do end up thinking about it. And on the flip side, when we're okay with thinking about something, it becomes fleeting. Because as Coach Chris says here, like, you know, thoughts are kind of messages. And when we don't want to hear it, then the brain's like, oh, I got to repeat this. But when we're right. like, okay, I'm willing to hear it. Nothing to repeat. There's no really need to repeat it. So yeah, PY, I hope that was helpful. And we have... Um, um, maybe a quick message from Brad says, looking forward to hearing from Daniel. Yeah, I'll, today I'll, I'll send you a message. And then uh, Filthy Rich says, great stuff, guys. <laughs> All caps, thumbs up. Nice uh, nice having you here. Thank you so much. And yeah, Jennifer has another question for us. She says, one more thing. <clears throat> I have a major vacation coming up in September. I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> nice. I've considered canceling, but after watching many videos, I refuse to let it control me. Any advice? Uh, nice one. And yeah, I can, I can go first here just, just for a change and say that, um, I'm so glad, so I'm glad you are, are, you know, looking forward to this trip to Mexico. And I want to say that just sort of like whenever somebody tells me like, I'm planning this trip to me, I always start with us saying like, just planning it, just imagining, like just, you know, just you know, imagining taking this trip and planning it is courage, you know, because it can be scary to do that when we have like trouble sleeping with like, how are we going to sleep in a new environment? So just, just even just planning it is really courageous and courage is really helpful because, you know, when, when we struggle with sleep, it's like, there is no actual real threat, no actual real danger. It's kind of an imagined danger. And when we're willing to sort of face that danger, then the brain can fully see that, Oh, there is actually nothing there. We're not harmed in anything. So, so, so uh, courage can really help. And um, I, I want to say that in, generally speaking, We've seen this so much, as you know, Chris, that when people actually in our community, students, clients, et cetera, followers, when they do take that trip, even if they're scared about it, almost always it's helpful because almost always it leads someone to see that, oh, I can live my life even if I struggle with sleep. And very often it ter ter turns out that when they're on this trip, there's so much distraction, so many things happening. We're no longer really engaging with the struggle with sleep and sleep happens easier so really, really, that that happens very often. And then, you know, to to add one more little thing is that if anyone hears this and they're like, you know what, I, I canceled my trip or I think I am going to cancel my trip. Well, you know, that's that that's just an invitation for self-kindness. Maybe maybe we don't you know, maybe courage is nice, but we don't want to push ourselves either. So if we do decide to not go, that's OK, just self-kindness. But generally speaking, it's, you know, most of the time I found it really helpful and the fact that you're thinking of this and um, you're thinking of going, Jennifer, makes me really glad. But uh, yeah, Chris, what do you think of this this topic? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, again, if you find yourself canceling or, or backing out last minute, um, don't beat yourself up. It happens. Um, I did it a lot. You know, <laughs> you know, it has to be doable. It has to be completely doable to you. Um, but in the end, um, yeah, making that decision is uh, it's a huge step in the right direction. Um, even if you do cancel, at least you took yourself there um, for a short while. And that's huge in and of itself. So, you know, you know, kudos to you. Uh, but yeah, if you can cancel, definitely don't. Plus, Mexico sounds really good. Like, who wants to cancel on that, right? <laughs> 100%. 
And actually, Filthy Rich says, uh, uh, he, you know, Jennifer, where, where are you from? My family's from Michoacan, so, you know, uh, that's nice. And, um, yeah, I guess one more topic that just came up to my mind, uh, you know, which is related to this of traveling is uh, a situation we often come across is somebody who says, hey, um, mostly nowadays I'm actually sleeping okay when I'm at home and, you know, nothing's going on. But uh, when I have a trip planned or something else is happening, then I have struggled. It feels like this is like the last, like this is like the final hurdle for me to get over. We hear that very often. And <clears throat> to me, um, for anyone out there who's, who's who, for whom this is familiar, to me, it's it really is an invitation to look back upon those other hurdles that came before this final hurdle and see like, how did we, you know, how, how did that not become, like, how did we leave that struggle? Was it that we learned how to jump over the hurdles? It really isn't because it's never about like uh, forcing anything or making something happen. It, it it really is that those other hurdles, they sort of just disappeared when we no longer tried jumping over them or looked at them as something we needed to jump over or do something about. And it's an invitation for me to see that the it's the same thing with the final hurdle. It's sort of like it's not a final jump we need to do. It's more like it's a it's a sort of a final invitation to let go of this one too. Like yeah, it's. Maybe maybe I'll have some struggle on this trip. Maybe I'll uh, it'll be a little bit harder for me to sleep while as I'm I have a big presentation to work or something like that. And th th that's okay, you know. It, I'll be fine, you know. It's kind of a final invitation to let go. That's how I think of that. But uh, do you, do you, do you come across that situation sometimes, Chris, or how do you think about that one? <clears throat> for sure. Um, you know, for me, it's just one of the many layers of this onion we call insomnia. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we we peel each one back the same way, pretty much. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, fast or slow, it's, it's okay. But essentially it's just about, um, being okay with, you know, being awake at night and, and how you're going to feel the next day. And, you know, traveling is no different. Um, you know, any, anytime you make any changes in your routine, um, you're naturally just going to monitor things a little more, um, intensely. So just being aware and knowing that that's part of the process, I think is, is really important here. Yeah. Yeah. That's right really helpful this is something i don't know who brought this up recently it was alina or, or or it was veronica maybe but how like oftentimes when we travel somewhere normally our first night is a little like we sleep a little less the first night yep. you know just because we're in a new environment and, and that doesn't mean anything it's often when we think when we kind of we sleep a little bit less the first night and then we think oh this means i'm gonna have trouble sleeping or this means i have to do something then maybe we'll have a little bit more struggle but we see like oh the the fact that we have a little choppy sleep the first night, just totally normal. We don't do anything about it. And it's everything else, when we don't react to it, it just fades by itself. And the onion, yeah, I love the onion analogy. It's like, you know, <clears throat> it's about that, like inner, like peeling the onion is like going deeper inside, learning more about ourselves. And like onions are like, they can make us cry. It can be quite painful, like yeah. onion. <laughs> part of it, right? Right. Yeah. And we like to, uh, you know, we like to look at insomnia as like this big uh, enigma, like, it's one thing after another, but really it's not, it's just, it's the same fear, um, you know, being presented in different ways. So sometimes we need to kind of simplify it and see it for what it really is. hundred percent. All right. Let's see. I thought I was just about to say, we'll, we'll round up there, but we have one more question here. Um, <clears throat> how do you think the closest people to oh, should react? Very nice and insightful question. It, it's, it's funny because, this is you, Chris. You literally just a few weeks ago said, hey, maybe we should have like a support group for partners, right. et cetera. But yeah, so what do you think when you hear this one from from uh, 
Pelin? <clears throat> uh, that's a great question. Um, it's one we don't hear a lot, right? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard for anyone that doesn't have insomnia to understand what one that has it is really going through. Um, cause for them, it might seem like it's something that isn't within your control, but it really isn't. Um, so we kind of have to forgive them if you will, um, for their ignorance, cause they just really don't know. And it's not their fault. Um, ideally you would want somebody to be uh, patient with you, compassionate, um, and really as supportive as they can. And, you know, I would urge you that if you do have family members who are having a hard time, you know, being there for you and holding space for you, you know, maybe you can kind of, kind of, you know, nudge them on the channel, or if you have any literature, have them read a little bit of it and, and kind of educate them so that they know the extent of, you know, what you're going through, because not everybody does. And that's just the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. And I think just to add to that is like, uh, Oftentimes we hear the story of like, oh, <clears throat> my, uh, my, you know, my mother, I don't know, my, my, my mom or my sister, they're telling me to try this and try this and try that, which can be literally tricky. So I'd say for anyone who's a partner or somebody who struggles with sleep, like be mindful that so you don't like just throw out suggestions and lead someone into kind of a rabbit hole of like trying more experimenting more and having more struggle and, and then just kind of like being supportive and listening and, and just, you know, um, um, you know, um, yeah, treat, treating, treat, treating that person with kindness, but, uh, but this is a, a topic that I think we should explore further. I, I, and, uh, for anyone out there, uh, we just, uh, we just announced yesterday within the magazine, which is our new, new kind of project. So uh, we, we were actually looking for content about this. So if anyone wants to contribute there, do head out, head, head over to within magazine.com and you can check, talk to our editors, but uh, yeah, this is a topic that we'll talk more about for sure. A uh, really important one, but yeah, with that said, let's conclude here. Uh, thanks to everyone for being with us today. Thanks Chris, Chris for joining and uh, thanks, Daniel. See, see you next time. Bye everyone. Yeah.